All right, you guys glad to be back at Alpha? Yeah. Me too. Me too. So we were on campus earlier today. Uh, some of you guys are out there with us over there in the UC with a, a little board uh, set up. Ariel helped us make a sign, you know, say to write your what your goal is for the new year. Just people would come up, put their New Year's resolution, or just something they'd like to see happen this year. And lots of people came up and they they used the clothespin to kind of put their uh, put their goal up there. Any of you guys have New Year's resolutions? Something you're saying, man, this is something I'd like to see happen this year. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Any of y'all like? It's 18 days into January, and we've already totally abandoned those. That's, that's also perfectly normal. Hey, no shame here, right? This is a safe place. Uh, it is normal, though, this time of year for people to look at, like, there's some stuff I want to change, right? There's some stuff that's not working here. Uh, there's some stuff I want that needs to be different, right? So it's normal. It's normal for people to be, hey, I want to change some habits. I want to change some things going into this new year. I want to set some goals. Uh, I want to achieve those goals, right? That's perfectly normal, right? And so we're talking a little bit about that tonight, talking a little bit about starting over, fresh starts, but but wanting to have God's perspective on those things, amen? So one of the things we did over the break, we talked about salt. You heard some great salt testimonies. Uh, The other part of salt was the mini conference the day before salt, which is the African American Leadership Conference, AALC. We didn't get to share much about that, but was it good? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. So this is about the third or fourth ALC that I've gotten to go to, man, I always learn a lot, man, always super encouraging, and so since then, man, I've been thinking about African American history, been reading, I've uh, been reading about some underground railroad stories, and I'm curious if you guys are familiar with this lady here. This lady here is Henrietta Duterte. You guys heard of her? Henrietta Duterte lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She was the first uh, female funeral home owner uh, in the United States, right? First female mortician funeral home Owner. So first, first black funeral homeowner, but first female funeral homeowner in, in general. She lived in Pennsylvania. She, she, she married a guy. He passed, and she kept running the business for decades after he passed. But she was also an abolitionist and partnered with the Underground Railroad movement uh, for, for slaves, you know, escaping slavery in the South, uh, up, up towards the, the North for them to find their freedom. And she's real clever, y'all. Here's how she did that, right? She ran a mor- uh, mortuary, ran, ran, ran a funeral home. Uh, so she had a large supply of coffins, right? And so what she would do is she would the, the, the escaping person, right, the person escaping for freedom would sometimes hide in a coffin and she would have a fake funeral procession, right, to, to march them the route they needed to go to get from, you know, enslaved territory north, north of the Mason-Dixon where they would be free, right? So she would smuggle people in coffins, right? She used, she used her, her business, her, her talents, her resources to help people get free. So that is, it's a really, really cool story. Henrietta Duterte, first female mortician in the United States, but also, man, tons and tons of people uh, that she helped to get, their, to get their freedom. And so we're talking about fresh starts tonight. And so with Henrietta help, Henrietta's help, these enslaved people found freedom and a fresh start through a kind of death, right? There's a, they had to die to their past, Die to that old identity, coffin and all, right? They had to full on get in a coffin and close the lid to start that new life, uh, to start that whole new life as a free person. Um, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about the fresh start that comes through death. I know death is, a, man, it's a, it's a tricky subject, and I want to be sensitive to that, right? Some of you guys have experienced man, death in a really close way, uh, and, I, and I'm not insensitive to that, but also it's super important that that imagery. Uh, is, is so helpful for un- helping us to understand how we relate to the Lord, right? So, so I want us to, we're going to be talking about death quite a bit tonight, but I want you to understand the purpose about it, right? Because there, there's, there's a freedom there, there's a way we relate to God uh, that is tied to that imagery of death. 
We've all had the experience of watching a movie or watching a TV series or maybe you're reading your favorite book series and a beloved character dies. Oh, that's so sad. But wait, but wait, they're not dead. Right? They faked they're dead. Right? They're alive the whole time. Right? And oh no, he's alive. She's alive. She faked it. Faked their death. What in the world? They're actually alive. You guys have all read a story like that. Maybe they needed to uh, escape someone that was after them, so they faked their death, and then the next episode they're in witness protection somewhere. Right? They've grown a mustache. I don't know. Um, maybe they needed to uh, get out from under the, uh, the weight of crippling debt or responsibility and like, hey, I'm just going to fake my own death and then totally start over. Uh, maybe they needed to sever ties with a toxic relationship, a situation like we need to get out of this. And the only way I see out is we're going to pretend I'm dead. Uh, and, and so you guys have seen this. Maybe they just need to start over like this isn't working. I just need to start over. And they find escape through a kind of death. Now, it's a fake death. But still, right, that there, there is freedom on the other side of that old life dying, passing away. Right? You guys tracking with me? Hopefully, you have never been in such a desperate situation that you wanted to fake your own death and start a whole new life somewhere else. Uh, with a new name, growing the mustache, wearing the disguise, getting off the grid. But I guarantee all of us at some point have desperately wanted a fresh start. Right? Uh, said, so, man, th- this is not working. Man, I feel stuck. God, something's got to give. I need a fresh start. I need a fresh start. I wish I could start all over. I wish I had a different life. What does the culture say to do when you feel this way, right? Because this is a common feeling. What does the culture say to do? Well, you just need to change some of your behaviors, right? You need to break some bad habits, uh, especially this time of year. Man, if you just started doing this and stopped doing this, well, if you just cut ties with this person over here, well, if you just would focus on this more, with these five easy steps, man, you could have a whole new life, right? Um, and, and, and maybe, you know, if you just changed your, your behaviors, if you just adjusted these kind of things, but does that work? Right? Does that work? Do New Year's resolutions work? Do most people stick with them? Right? And no, just changing your behaviors, just breaking a few habits uh, is not going to give you the fresh start that you need. It's not, not going to help you to get that, that new life uh, that you need. It can't because it's only dealing with the outward stuff, right? Just changing your behaviors is only dealing with the outside stuff. Tonight we're talking about starting over and specifically what the Bible has to say about a fresh start and the new life that's available to each and every one of you in Christ and how it's going to, you know, like the people that uh, Henrietta Duterte helped, it's going to involve a kind of death. You know, this new, this new fresh start that Jesus has for you, this new fullness of life that God has for you is going to be on the other side of a kind of death. You know, last semester we started a series of messages we called Perspective, right? And so it was all about the Lord's perspective on the various complex issues of our life. Is life complex? Yeah. Do we need God's perspective on these things? We do, we do. And it's because we're too close to them. We're too close to our own lives to see them clearly. So it's so helpful to see, man, what's the Lord's perspective? The God that loves me, the God that created me, what does he have to say about this situation and that situation? We need God's perspective to see the full reality of our lives. And Isaiah 55, 9 has been our anchor verse for the series. And it simply says this, that for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, this is God speaking, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So because God's ways and thoughts are higher, he has a true and better perspective on all the different areas of our life, the decisions we face, the difficult things we've got to navigate. Uh, So his perspective 
on this vast universe that he's made in our own lives. I mean, that, that, that's what we need to see. So we're looking at his word to get his perspective on these things. Uh, and so throughout that series, we've looked at God's perspective on a variety of different, different topics. We've talked about identity, right? What's God's perspective on suffering? And what is God's perspective on relationships? bunch of different things, right? And so if you missed any of those, hey, it's no problem. All those messages are recorded. You can go back and listen to them on the Kyle from Memphis podcast. Or there's one you just want to listen to again. I want to share with a friend. Uh, they're all there. Um, we're going to continue, maybe as we go into a new semester, continue this idea of looking at God's perspective uh, on these different things. So uh, tonight we're going to be looking at God's perspective on this issue of starting over and getting a fresh start. Man, what does it look like to start over to find new life and a fresh start in following Jesus? And as we're going to see, that new life starts with a death. Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25, If anyone wants to be my follower, you want to be Jesus' follower? Yeah, I know I do. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Right? Jesus says, you want to follow me? Well, it's going to involve denying yourself. Man, we don't like that. It's going to involve taking up a cross, right? An instrument of death. It's going to involve death. And then follow me, right? It's going to involve a kind of death. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it, right? This is what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, it's going to involve dying, right? If you're trying to hold on to your life, you can forget it. But I mean, those that lose their life and follow me, then you're going to find a newness of life, a fullness of life that God has for you. So what is God's perspective on a fresh start and new life? It starts with death. A death to your preferences, a death to getting your own way, a death to your plans, a death to you being in the driver's seat of your own life, a death to the sins that you still hold on to, haven't fully released, haven't fully repented of, a death to all that so Jesus can truly be Lord of your life. The scripture we're going to look at tonight that's help us unpack this concept is going to be Romans Chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, we're mostly going to be in Romans chapter 6. The verses are going to be up there uh, as well. This is Paul's letter uh, to Christians who were in Rome. Uh, and it's going to help us unpack this idea, man, of what it means, it means to have a fresh start in Christ by dying into that, that old life. Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 2. Romans 6, starting in verse 2. Paul writes this. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Right? When we said we've died to that old life, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Right? So many of you guys in this room, man, following Jesus and have been baptized in water. If you've not yet been baptized in water, I encourage you to do that. Man, come talk to me after. We're going to make that happen, right? We're going to set up a time. We're going to see you baptized in water. It's a command of Jesus uh, to outwardly identify with the transformation inside, saying, hey, I want to publicly identify I'm dying to that old life, uh, and I'm living for Jesus now. He's my Lord. Uh, and so that, that baptism water is symbolic of you going down to the grave and coming up a brand new person. right? So he's reminding us of that. Don't you know, when you were baptized, you were identifying with Jesus' death. You've joined him in death. Just as Jesus died on the cross, was buried, your old life is now buried when you identified with him in baptism. Verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So yes, Jesus was crucified. Yes, Jesus was buried. But did Jesus stay dead? No, no. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. 
He appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving he was who he claimed to be. Right? And so just as Jesus had new life after death, and we identify with Jesus by dying to our own life, our old life, and we also join with him uh, in new life and in resurrection. So get this. Jesus did not simply come just to change our behavior. Right? Does the Bible have instructions about our behavior? Yeah, of course. Are there things that, man, we should do as believers and things we should not do as believers? Of course. But Jesus didn't come just to change your behavior, just to change what's on the outside. He wants to give you an entirely new life. We die to our old life, and through his resurrection power, we live a new life, free from sin and free from death. Leonard Ravenhill has a quote that says it this way. Jesus did not come into the world to make bad men good. He came into the world to make dead men live. Right? Jesus isn't interested in just changing the outside, just changing our behaviors, our habits, the things that, that we do. No, he's, he comes to bring you to life. To bring you to life. When we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, we were dead in this life and the bondage of slavery uh, and sin and the enemy. And Jesus came to call us out of that tomb and into a place of life. Not just to make bad people good. No, forget that. He wants to make dead people alive. Amen? Amen. Paul says in his letter to the Christians in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians 2, that we were all once dead in our transgressions. That's all of us, right? That, that our state before coming to Christ was spiritually dead because of our sin. God is calling us from that place of death to a place of life. Say it with me. Jesus doesn't just want to change my behavior. Jesus doesn't want to change my behavior. He wants to make me alive. Go back to Romans. We're going to continue in verse 5, Romans 6, 5. Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we're set free from the power of death. So Paul begins to, to make a, a reasoning argument here that when you're dead, things don't still have a hold on you anymore because they can't, right? So when someone dies, they are no longer bound by the cares of this life, right? When a person passes away, they are no longer bound by the struggles, responsibilities, and obligations of what it is to be a living person. When you are dead, you no longer owe anything to the collection company, right? And that, that credit card company isn't going to keep calling you in heaven, right? They can't, right? Collections is a problem for living people. It does not follow you after death. You can't be a slave if you're dead, right? Only living people can be slaves, right? He's making the analogy of slavery. We're, we're enslaved to our sins. Well, guess what? Dead people can't be enslaved, right? You can't walk over uh, to the cemetery and get those people to do anything for you, right? It's not going to happen, right? They're, they're dead. Only living people can be slaves. Paul's saying here, man, I want you to so die to that old life, man, you're, you're useless to whatever old slave master the devil wants you to do, right? Because that's done. I'm dead to that. Forget about it, right? I've got a new life in Jesus. Uh, dead people don't have those same attachments, right? You can't keep that on them. It won't stick because they're not alive anymore. That's living people's problems. When people pass away, and sometimes we comfort, comfort the grieving with, with some cliches like, hey, they're, they're at peace now. They're not suffering any longer. Of course, that, that's true. We say these things to comfort people. But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus wants to give you right now, right? He wants to give you that peace right now. He wants to give you rest. He wants to give you freedom from struggle. He wants to give you peace Right now, in this moment. Yes, in an eternity somewhere uh, in heaven. But right now, he wants you to experience the freedom that comes from that old sinful life dying and passing away. And stepping into the fullness of life that he has for you now. And the things that once 
tugged at you, pulled down at you, you struggled with, fought with, because you were still wrestling and trying to live this old life. You said, let's go in and be, let's make a clean break with all of that, right? Let's just die to all of that. That stuff has no hold over you anymore. I want to give you a brand new life. I want to give you a brand new life. That's what he has for us. He wants to give you rest. He wants to give you freedom from the struggle. He wants to give you peace. He doesn't want you to continue to suffer and struggle with stuff. He's like, man, I didn't intend for you to mess around with that. I didn't create you to mess around with that. Just go ahead and be done with it. This is why Jesus came. Right? This is why Jesus came. God loves you. If you've not been told or you've not heard it in a long time, the God who made you loves you. He loves you. And he was not content to see you estranged, separated from him, bound up in sin, bound up in, in self-destructive behaviors that, 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 are, that are harming you, harming other people. Right? He's not content with that. Right? He loves you enough to send his son Jesus to do for you, to do for me what we could never do for ourselves, right? Jesus lived a perfect life. I can't, I can't live a perfect five minutes, right? Jesus lived a perfect life. Uh, man, he, he, he preached uh, about the kingdom of God and the way God wants us to live. Um, and he was uh, arrested. He was publicly executed. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he was who he claimed to be, the son of God and our savior. And that when we put our trust in him, what he did on the cross for us, we can be free from sin we can die to that old life and we can have new life in him. I mean, that's why Jesus came, to save us from our sins, to make us right with God. Yes, we have an eternal hope of when this life is over, this physical life is over, an eternity with God in heaven. But also in the here and now, we can experience the fullness of life that God has for us. We can experience the fullness of peace and joy and the love of God in our lives. You want that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I want that too. I want that too. So it's not about us earning heaven or earning God's favor by changing some behaviors, changing some habits. Yes, we need to obey the Lord. Yes, there's things about your life that need to change, but we don't earn God's favor by that, right? God already chose to love you. And by his love, by his mercy, by his grace, already chose to love you. Jesus already chose to die for you. And it's by faith in what he did that makes us right with God and only that and only his grace. Let's continue in verse eight. Since we died with Christ, we know that we're also going to live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him or us, right? Or us. Verse 10, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Say to your neighbor, come alive. Come alive, right? When Jesus died, man, he already took care of all that sin. Come alive, right? Man, be free of that. Be free of that and step into the fullness of life that God has for you. Come alive. The problem is we want to follow Jesus our own way, right? And that's why it doesn't work. We want to follow Jesus our own way. We'll change a few of our beliefs. We'll change a few of our behaviors, but we don't experience the fullness, the freedom you know, the fullness of life that Jesus has for us. So we get frustrated, right? We can't stop giving into sin. And at some point we give up and even stop trying. But Jesus isn't wanting to simply change your behavior, right? What does Jesus want to do? Make you alive, right? So our old life has to die to make room for the new. And that's the paradigm shift that we're talking about. It's not just changing a few behaviors. It's dying to that old self, Bury it, be rid of it, and I fully want to embrace this new life that Jesus has for me, uh, this completely new life in Christ. Uh, when we bury something, right, we, we put it under the ground, 
uh, and we don't dig it up again, right? That, that's gross, right? If something, something's dead and we bury it, let's go and leave it down there. We're not going to dig it up and check on it in a week, check on it in a month. But do we do that with our sin, right? Uh, no, no, bury that thing and leave it buried. Forget where you buried, right? And don't, don't keep digging it back up. You don't want that thing creeping back into your life like a zombie, right? Like, like stumbling in like the walking dead. No, keep that thing buried and, and permanently buried, permanently dead. Forget where you buried it and fully step into the new life, the new path that Jesus has for you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor. Maybe you've heard of this guy. In the 1930s and 40s, he was an outspoken uh, voice of opposition to the Nazi party as it rose into power. So Bonhoeffer joined the resistance against the Nazis, and eventually he ended up in a concentration camp. In 1945, he was hanged. In his 1937 book, The Cost of Discipleship, he wrote this. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. And we give over ourselves, I'm sorry, we give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. When Christ calls a man, he says, hey, come and die. And come and die to all that old and garbage you've been hung up on. All that stuff that's just weighing you down. And just come and die. And that's where it starts, right? The walk with Jesus starts with a death, with identifying with his death on the cross. And Jesus, just as you hung on the cross, then my old life needs to hang up there too. This, I need to be dead and done with it. And then the new life can start on the other side of a death. You guys tracking with me? So when Jesus calls us to himself, he's saying, hey, Come and die. That sounds rough, right? Come and die. But what's on the other side of that death? A new life like you never dreamed of, right? The fullness of life, the fullness of resurrection life, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within you to give you the fullness of the life that he has for you, not this muddled mix of you doing some stuff for him and some stuff for yourself that's frustrating, going around in circles. He has so much better for you than that. Amen? So much better for you than that. Paul continues, we'll wrap up Romans 6 here with verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body and obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Jesus wants you free from sin and completely united with him in both his death and his resurrection. We want the new life, right? We want the joy, we want the peace, we want the new life. Well, guys, it comes through death. It comes through dying to all that old junk, burying it and being done with it. Say, God, I'm done with this forever. I don't ever want to pick this back up again. Jesus wants to make us free. He wants to make us alive. He wants to forgive us and cleanse us and make all things new. Say, Matt, you don't realize what I've done, though, right? You don't, you don't know my life. Is a fresh start really possible even for me, even after everything that I've done? Yes, it is. Not, it's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. What he did on the cross was enough. For the sins of the whole world, it was enough. When Jesus said it, it is finished, he meant my sin, he meant your sin, he meant the sin of everyone that's ever going to live, right? It is enough. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Father in heaven, he loves you, and he's anxious. He wants to forgive. 
He's excited, wanting to forgive you, uh, you know, you know, wanting to cleanse you, uh, wanting to make you brand new, wanting to welcome you into his arms as a son, as a daughter, wants to adopt you into the family of God. He has a seat at his table with your name on it. He's got a room in his house for you, and he, he wants you. He wants you. It doesn't matter what you've done. We can have a fresh start in Christ, no matter our past mistakes. Uh, and again, it's not simply a set of new habits and behaviors. It's an entirely new life. But to get that new life, the old one has to die. Your new life of freedom and the fullness of Christ isn't something you can just tack on or spruce up your current life with. It exists on the other side of an uncomfortable and certain death to your old way of life. So what's this look like? Right? What does this look like? Now, what does it look like for me to die to my old life, to make room for the life Jesus has for me? It looks like a death to our selfishness, we don't like that, right? It looks like denying ourselves. It looks like a death to our preferences, a death to being in charge, so that Jesus can truly be Lord of our lives, right? A, a dead person doesn't get a vote, right? He doesn't get a decision. What's going to happen, right? So if Jesus is Lord. That means we don't either, right? So saying, okay, God, I'm going to die to to my preferences. I'd rather my day look like this, this, and this. But honestly, I need to ask Jesus, what do you, what do you want my day to look? Right? What do you want my week to look like? God, how, how are you wanting to use me in this area, in that area? Not, not what's more comfortable for me. Not what this is better for me or I enjoy this more. And God, God loves us. And following Jesus is an adventure. He's going to make it fun. He's going to make it enjoyable. Uh, but it's not about us seeking after our own happiness and joy. So Jesus, what do you want for my life? What do you want for my life? We sang about it. Less and less of me, more and more of you. Whatever it takes, it's worth it. Whatever you want, God, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, is that really our attitude with the Lord, though? To say, God, man, if there's any part of my life that I need to be done with, Lord, with your help, well, let's be done with it. Let's be done with it. Let it be dead and buried. I want to be done with it. You know, as Jesus, Lord, man, over the way we consume media, right? If Jesus says, hey, man, this, this Instagram, it's got to go, right? Man, this TikTok, man, it's just wrecking your life. It's not good for you, son. It's not good for you, daughter. Uh, you know, Netflix, whatever that might be, man, there may be something that Jesus would have you die to say, hey, I like this thing, but, but it's not more important to me than the Lord, right? It's okay if this dies, so I can have more of what Jesus has for me, right? And again, it's not just a superficial behavior change. You're not just giving up a few things or, or fasting a few things, even though those can be important disciplines to help us draw near to the Lord. It's a paradigm shift of saying, God, everything, uh, everything in my life, there was an attachment to that, that, that old life of sin, man, all that's dead and gone. I only want it, God, and it's going to help me get closer to you. At this point, it's only going to enter my life. It's going to help me get closer to Jesus. It's going to help me live a life that's more pleasing to you. If it's not going to do that, then I don't want it. I don't want it. Uh, and it's going to be a real practical look at our day-to-day -day life and say, okay, God, what are the things that need to die? And it's a brand new year, 2023. There's some things from 2022 that cannot come into 2023 to live the life Jesus has for you. Those things need to stay dead and stay in the past. We're not going to dig them up, right? And if they try to claw at the door, like the walking dead trying to come in, we're not going to answer the door. Right? They're going to stay outside. Right? We're going to live that new life that God has for us. Amen. I'm not digging up the dead. I'm not going back to that. Jesus, I want all that you have for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God's ways and thoughts are higher. And we need his perspective on these things. We need his perspective on a fresh start. You guys may hear lots about starting over and fresh starts in the culture. Man, you guys, I know you, I see it too. I know you see it. Hey, just, just do these things. Man, this simple hack. Man, do these five things. It's going to change everything. But get this. No behavior change is going to give you the new life that only Jesus can give you. 
That comes on the other side of death, saying, God, I surrender. That old life is dead. I'm not attached to it anymore. Jesus, I want the fullness of what you have for me. That's where the new life is. That's where the fullness of what God has for you is. It's a death to our old lifestyle to fully embrace what God has for us in Christ. Uh, the musicians can come back. We're going to respond to this in a time of worship and prayer. Uh, we're going to take some time and just worship the Lord and say, okay, Matt talked a lot about dying to my old self. God, what does this look like for me? And what specific things are you wanting me to release, to bury, to die to that's keeping me from the fullness of all that you have for me, right? That, that's blocking my access to be able to fully step into what Jesus has for me. You know, sometimes this front area uh, during in church services or Christian meetings of any kind, and sometimes they call the front area where the prayer and stuff happens, they call this the altar area. You guys heard that before, familiar with that terminology? Oh, come down to the altar for prayer. We're going to gather at the altar uh, to, 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 to worship or to pray. But the Old Testament imagery of the altar, man, man this is really important to get. Altars where things came to die, right? Are you guys familiar with that? The, the altars where things were sacrificed, where things met a bloody end and did not come back, right? And so, so it is important, man, when, when we talk about man, this, this front area, this area for prayer and seeking the Lord being an altar, and there, there's something that when we get up from the altar, it doesn't get back up with us. Right, And so we're going to take some time and, and seek, seek Jesus in worship, seek Jesus in prayer. I encourage you guys, man, you want to come down this whole altar area, right? This whole front area is going to be open up to pray. Whatever that looks like, man, you want to get on your knees, um, you want to pour out your heart to God, you'd like a staff person to pray with you, whatever that looks like. But let's seek the Lord together, man. This is, a, this is the way we're going to do a fresh start and start over fresh in the new year is, man, we're going to you know, let some stuff die so we can experience the fullness of life that Jesus has for us. Amen? Amen. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. God, we love you. God, thank you so much for your great love for us, God. Thank you so much, God, that, that you loved us too much to leave us where we were at, leave us in bondage, in sin, and bound to I mean, destructive lifestyles and uh, the things that held us down to depression and fear and anxiety. God, thank you, Jesus, for calling us out of that. Thank you that you have a fullness for us. But God, we know it's on the other side of death. We're going to pray. We're going to worship for these next few moments. I encourage you, man, to just find a space down here and let's seek the Lord and say, God, what does that look like for me? What needs to die in my life? What do I need to lay down and not pick back up so that I can have the fullness of all that you have for me? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God.